Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today, we're talking to Vanessa Rosetto and Tamar Samuels, the dietitians behind Kalina Health, the telehealth insurance-based personalized nutrition coaching platform designed to provide education to patients to help them take the stress away from eating, allowing them to transform their health and live a healthier, more balanced life. Together, they help patients understand their bodies, change their relationship with food, and assist in building healthy habits that get results that will last. In this episode, Tamar and Vanessa share how to stop stressing about food and start practicing healthy habits, including tips on how to stop yo-yo dieting for good and feel liberated. We also discuss what's currently trending in the nutrition world that is very misleading, and we provide what's factual and what's just not. All right. Welcome, Vanessa and Tamar. I'm so happy to have you guys on. I feel like this has been in the works for quite some time now. Um, and I can't wait just to hear, you know, both of your stories and why and how you started Colina Health um, and just your journey. So welcome. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's like where I would love to start. And, um, I don't know if maybe Vanessa, you want to go first and then tomorrow you can go, but just a little bit, um, about both of your journeys and how you two came together to start calling a health. Yeah. Um, I actually went to college and studied history. And so um, my parents like biggest disappointment because I'm not a doctor and <laughs> They're really funny. They'll be like, I read, I read an article about you and Bon Appetit. So you're not going to medical school. Like (laughs) (laughs) they're like, it's okay. Maybe one of your children will go. We have hope. I'm like, okay, they'll live to be like 300 as long as someone becomes a physician. Um, I went back to school. I became a dietitian. I then worked at Mount Sinai hospital where Tamar was one of my interns. I always thought she was so cute and fabulous. And then she went and worked in private practice, but I, and I stayed on the clinical side for a while, but then I also went to private practice and then somehow we each were just doing our own thing. Then I ended up going to work at New York university as the dietetic internship director. And someone asked for um, a more holistic dietitian. So I was like, Oh, I think Tamar Samuels is that. So let me find her on the gram. So I was like, Hey girl. And she was like, Hey, let's have a coffee. I was like, sold. let's do that. And then we were together and we were like, let's open a practice together because it's so isolating. And so good. Thank God for Tamar. Cause she was like, we're doing this. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and then during the pandemic, we opened a telehealth practice <laughs> and we started with four of us and now we have 11 and it's bigger and crazier than we ever thought it would be, but in a really great way. Um, it just really, you know, people are like, it was so hard in the pandemic. And I was like, actually for us, it worked out because there was only so much zoom, you know, parties and happy hours you could go to, and people got sick of eating and drinking their feelings and we're on telehealth. And so they're just like, okay. And these people take insurance and like, and here we are. Yeah, we've been, we've been really lucky. I feel like our story is just so uh, like natural. Like we really just kind of like connected. We hadn't seen each other for, I think it was 
seven years, right, Vanessa? Like five or seven years. Like seven years. Even, yeah, we hadn't even talked. <laughs> yeah, because I was pregnant with Rocco when the last time you saw me and that we got together. Yeah, yeah. And we just were like, wait, how come we're not in each other's lives more? Let's like figure out how to make what we're doing be more enjoyable. And, you know, at the time we were both entrepreneurs um, with our own solo practices. And it just, as Vanessa said, it was really, it's really isolating. And, and I think, you know, we also have this like shared experience as women of color within this space that there aren't too many of us. And we just really like vibed with each other. And, um, I'm not going to say we capitalized on, you know, opportunities that presented during the pandemic with telehealth, but I think, the timing was just so perfect because we, you know, had the digital space to be able to grow and, and our practice um, and help more people who really needed our help and, and still do, you know? Um, so the need was really there and we had, you know, the resources and the tools to be able to support people in that way. So that's sort of how Kalina Health came about. Yeah, no, um, I love it too, because I feel like during the pandemic, like Vanessa said, in the beginning, people were eating their feelings, right? Maybe not making the best habit choices because we didn't know how long it was going to be like, oh, is this going to be a mini, you know, I don't want to say vacation, but like, you know, just a mini reset and then we'll be back. But then people started to realize like, oh, this is going to be a while and I should probably do something for myself, right? Which so many people did various things. And, um, but I found so many people were like, this is the time that I want to take to get healthy. So I do think it was the perfect time. And I love your guys' motto. And this is where I want to dive into next of just how people can stop having so much stress around food and stressing about their eating choices and just start eating better for themselves. Like I want to say eating healthy, right? But sometimes I'm always like, I put healthy in quotes because it's like, what is healthy, right? Like for every person that can be different somewhat, um, but just starting eating better for their body and their mood. Yeah. I think that there's just so much narrative out there in the world, right? In the magazines, uh, in the newspapers, in on Instagram. And like you have people who have no credentials and also people with credentials saying things that aren't really true. And I think that that's what messes everybody up because you don't know what to do. You don't know what's right and quote unquote, or what's wrong. And like every food has a label and everybody is shamed for different things. You know, the other day a girl called me and she was like, I want to say that I want to lose weight, but I don't think I'm allowed to say that. And I was like, okay, well, why do you want to lose weight? And she was like, well, I gained 50 pounds in the pandemic because I was literally drinking a bottle of wine every night and eating cookies. And I was like, well, what's your normal weight? He's like 150, I'm 200 and I'm five foot five. I was like, okay. So, but my colleagues might come to me and say, you, sh- you shouldn't encourage her to lose weight. Well, why not? She She's unhappy and she got there through the pandemic doing things that aren't necessarily good for your body. You wouldn't condone your client drinking a bottle of wine every single night. Like that's a problem. Um, so I think that the more honest we are with people about whatever their goal is, if your goal is weight loss, then you cannot drink and eat all the things all the time. 
If you have a different goal, then we will approach you differently. We are dietitians. We know how to do that. We understand science. That's it. And I think that when you talk to the patients and the clients like this, it's like, it's some crazy shift, right? It's like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, what do you want to do? And let's do that. Your goals are not aligned. So if you come, if you want to come to me and you say you want to lose weight, but every single week you're eating out every single meal and you're drinking sodas and you're not following anything, then like, that's not what your goal is. And let's talk another time. And I've said that to people and they're like, uh, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you don't have, it's fine. If I see you walking down the street, I think that's the other thing. People think like, if you are considered obese or overweight or something, and I see you walking down the street, I don't, I'm not thinking anything about you. I'm not thinking that you should come and see me. I'm not thinking that you're unhealthy. I'm thinking nothing. I'm thinking like, Hey, I hope you have a great day. And so I think that when people recognize that fact and they realize that we're just here to help them achieve whatever goal they want, it it's easier. It's, they have, there's better buy-in and they can be kinder to themselves around food. Yeah. Don't we're guiders, not judges. Right. You know, like, we're yeah. not judging you. We're just guiding you. <laughs> Based on what you want, you know, I think, I think that's the thing that Vanessa and I continue to go back to when we're training our dietitians and when we're speaking to people is it's not really, it's not about us. Like this process is not about us. It's about you. If you want to lose weight, we'll help you do it. If you want to get a better relationship with food and be more inclusive about the types of foods that you're including to have more, you know, indulgent foods and not feel stressed about, you know, eating a bagel once a week with your family on the weekend, we could do that too, you know, but that is driven by you and not us. And I think that's the thing that stresses people out the most is this feeling that they have to do what X, Y, and Z is doing on Instagram or what their doctor says they need to do or what their bestie is doing. Right. Like, I think, I think that people have lost the touch with what their needs are Um, and we really empower our clients to get back in touch with that. And then we support them in reaching those goals. So the approach is very different in that way. Um, and I think that helps people to feel less stressed and more empowered about food. You know, if you're going to eat a cookie, um, fine, make it an, an enjoyable experience that is in line with whatever goals that you have. If your goal is to indulge on the weekend and not feel guilty, great, you know, do it. Um, and that helps with stress relief. Yeah. Don't I'm waiting like those. Call me and complain about it. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. yeah. doesn't want any complaints. <laughs> I get very annoyed when they're like, oh, it was really bad. I ate a cookie. I'm like, I'm done with this. Like, don't, yeah. if you, if, if that's what the reaction is going to be after you do it, then you probably shouldn't do it because you, it's, you can't handle it. <laughs> and we know from a health perspective too, stressing over that cookie or piece of cake or whatever it is, or some, for some people, a piece of bread, stressing over that one thing is going to do your body more harm. And if your goal is weight loss is not going to lead you in that way, then just moving on from it. It's the stress that's really going to have that negative impact versus the food itself. And so that's why, yeah, I mean, I preach the same thing. It's like, if you're going to have it, enjoy it and then leave it be like, you don't, you don't need to be stressing over it later. Um, 
yeah. And that's, you know, something tomorrow you were just talking about too. It's like, it's those societal pressures, right? Whether it's food and your weight or, um, buying a house, right. Or all of those things, we just come into such a place of what is the rest of society doing and what should I be doing? And I love that you guys focus on really like people's inner truth and what they really want, because there's nothing more frustrating. And Vanessa, I feel like you feel the same way than having someone who says they want to work with you and they're not really ready or they're not committed because it's a waste of both, both of our times because we want to see progress. Right. And we also just, we want to see you reach your goals, but, um, I, I just love the focusing on the U part because that's something, honestly, I feel like not enough people talk about. Um, but what are like, if you guys get clients, you know, I saw a few posts you guys did just on, let's say your typical yo-yo dieter, someone who, you know, and maybe it's those societal pressures just keeps going on one diet, then off and back and forth. Um, how can they you know, finally stop or what are some tips that they can use and tools to get off that yo-yo train and just be on a healthier lifestyle? I think that the person that does diet after diet, like is always looking for an end, right? Like I'm doing this diet for this amount of time and I'm going to lose weight. And then once I get to whatever the number needs to be, then I'm going to stop doing this. And don't slide into my DMs. Every diet works. Don't call me. Okay. <laughs> diet works because you you're doing something. You're restricting something. You're concocting something. There's something that you're doing, which is restriction in some way, which is eliciting weight loss. But you didn't learn anything from that. Right? It's just, and you know, you see, like, I always use JLo because although well, she's making me upset recently with the stuff about her skin, but that's another, another podcast. Um, <laughs> but you know, people are like JLo. I'm like, okay, well, JLo doesn't drink alcohol. She doesn't eat rice and she works out 10 times a day and she has millions of dollars. So like, <laughs> you can't do what JLo's doing because you don't have JLo means. So let's get back to our, like to reality here. So I think that once you get yourself into reality and realize what you're capable of and you know, what you're willing to do and that you don't need to subscribe to fads. Nine times out of 10, these people, the reason why they yo-yo all the time, because like they don't need enough food. Every time I do a recall, I'm like, and don't slide into my DMs. I do a recall so I know what people's lives are like. And I do the recall. And then I'm like, you literally eat nothing. You eat 600 calories a day. You are 400 pounds and you eat three ounces of protein at lunch. Like my seven-year-old eats more than that. <laughs> so, and when, and then what happens is you teach them like, eat more here, do more. And then like they come in the next week and they lost, you know, five pounds. And they're like, are you a magician? I'm like, no, you just need to eat. <laughs> and, and Everything. Vanessa, can you explain why that's imp- like, why people need to eat more to actually lose weight? Right. Right. So your metabolism doesn't get the signal that it has a job to do. If you are constantly restricting. Also, there's all of these things that happen, you know, if you're if you're not eating carbohydrates in the absence of carbohydrates, your liver will make carbohydrates. And now you have insulin that's out there. So if insulin is always up. Weight is always up. You think you're doing all these cool, fancy tricks that you saw your friend do. Those things might not work for you. And also 
let me tell you something for all my friends who fast, they come to me, they're like, I fast, I, I don't eat breakfast, I don't eat lunch, I fast, but then at night I eat, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, fasting then is not for you. I think we need to front load the calories, let's front load the carbs, and they're just like, this and I'm like, okay, your way is not working. So let's try my way. If you eat at timed intervals, you'll probably stop overeating when the day is done. It's very easy for you to restrict and be focused on something during the day because you're working, you have kids, you're busy. But when everything is quiet and you're sitting on your couch, I, you can eat a sleeve of Oreo cookies very easily because you're hungry. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think, I think people have, you know, not only lost touch with their own hunger and satiety because of yo-yo dieting, like that's a huge one that Vanessa and I obviously work with our clients on a lot. Um, but I think people are, you know, they're, they're just confused because of everybody else's sort of data. And it's something that we work with our clients on is collecting data about themselves and really like, keeping their, their, their options open and just experimenting. Right. Like I have clients who are like, I want to try X, Y, and Z. I'm like, we can try it. You know, like we can experiment with it. But I think if you're going to do a diet, it should be under the supervision and the guidance of an expert. Um, so you can collect data about yourself and figure out, Oh, actually I did do this. And I learned that, you know, when I intermittent fast, it makes me binge at night. And so like, I can, I can say that intermittent fasting doesn't work for me. Whereas if you were doing that sort of on your own, you might not be able to pick up on, on those things. Right. So I think one of the biggest ways that we work with our clients on stopping the yo-yo dieting is just like experimenting and collecting data, you know, learning about yourself, like look, track your symptoms, you know, like if you get diarrhea every time you have, you know, ice cream, clearly there's something there, you know, and, and maybe you have binge eating disorder and you don't feel comfortable restricting foods exclusively or food categories. But, you know, if you're, if you are running to the bathroom, um, because every time you eat dairy, you know, it, it's sending you, it's, you're, you're not absorbing it, then that is more stressful for a lot of people than actually, you know, not restricting that food. So I think that it's just important for individuals to be curious and have an open mind and experiment with their bodies under the supervision of an expert. So they feel supported and comfortable, um, to explore different diets or to just, you know, figure out what works for them. Yeah. We forget about that individuality, right? <laughs> that we're all different all of our gut microbiomes are different, right? Like some things that work for one person, it doesn't mean it can be applied to everyone. Um, and I think I really like what you said about just being under that supervision. It's almost like therapy too, right? Where you need someone to have that like bird's eye view and also has like a background in it too, right? You don't just need one, anyone having that bird's eye view, but can really take in what you're doing and then give you feedback on it. And again, help guide you. And two things you just said to tomorrow, one about the hunger cues. That's something I work on a lot. And I find the biggest misconception is people were always taught to be full, right? Like, you're finished eating when you're full or like maybe when you're uncomfortably full and like possibly unbuttoning the top button of your pants. Right. Which like, I mean, it happens to all the best of us. Um, but 
thinking about too, like we're just not in tune with when we start even feeling hungry, right? Like even that first ping, like, okay, we should probably start to think about where our next meal's coming from, what that is. So we don't get to the point of being hangry. And then on the other side of it, being in tune with like, just feeling satisfied with our meal. And that means like satisfied with the flavors with like, you know, feeling quote unquote full enough. Like you're not still hungry, but you're satisfied and you feel comfortable. And I feel like hunger cues just get brushed over. Like mm-hmm. nobody talk. I mean, do, do we ever see that much on Instagram about hunger cues? Not so much. No, um, but yeah. The narrative now is like, eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Yep. And, <laughs> and so like, and it's, I don't know, but remember Ellen Satter was the first one to talk about eating competence, mm-hmm. right? Feeding families. And she says that it's the division of responsibility and you are just to provide the safe food that your child identifies as safe. And then the food, the vegetable or whatever you want them to eat, you provide, you have to time the food. Sometimes you give chips, sometimes you give carrot sticks. And if you're trying to do intuitive eating or eating competence as an adult, it's probably not going to work because you're taught to override that, right? Because you, as a parent, you're labeling the food as good and not and all of these things. Right. And so, you know, we, as dietitians try better with our kids, although like, I don't know. I let my kids eat all the Halloween candy and Halloween. And my son is like, <laughs> yes, my daughter will be like, I will never eat candy again. He's like, give it to me every day. I'm like, so it kind of backfired a little bit there, but, but no, there, but you know, candy is accessible to my children and chips are accessible to my children and dessert is accessible to them. And they do say like, they'll say, okay, I'm, I'm full now. I don't, they, they rarely finish the entire plate, you know, it, so I think they get it. You know, I mean, they're still like carb focused and I have to be like, you have to have carrots on your plate because otherwise it's going to eat them. But so I think that that's the problem, right? Like you're not allowed to, like, you're just going to eat whatever you want, whenever you want with no, with like willy nilly. And now you're going to heal whatever it is about food. Like I want to eat Doritos all day, every day. That intuitively is what calls to me. <laughs> I have to make a concerted effort and a decision. Like today, I was like, should I eat Tostitos for lunch? I'm like, no, I'm going to have salad and tuna <laughs> Because salad is good for you. Lettuce, yeah. vegetables are good for you. And they help keep me full. And that was a better choice than eating Tostitos because Tostitos are empty calories. While delicious, empty. And I think the reality is like, we are not eating foods in a vacuum. You know, we're eating foods within the context of an environment that is set up to like hijack our brain chemistry and sell products, <laughs> right? And that is not something we have control over. So we're constantly, I was just on a call with a client who, you know, she's in Mexico and all of her food is being prepared for her. And it's this clean, delicious local stuff. And she's never eaten better, but she's also someone who, you know, when she walks by a McDonald's or goes into a Target, will like buy everything from the candy aisle and, you know, get like a happy meal and some, and, you know, she really enjoys eating healthy, but when she's in an environment that is like, really triggering her to have these convenience foods, which, you know, people pay billion food companies pay billions of dollars to set up 
you know, where they're able to create those environments, it's really hard to make healthy choices, right? So, or it's really hard to be in touch with what you, what you do want because of all of the noise. So I think, you know, what Vanessa is saying is, is, or what I think Vanessa is saying is that, you know, we, it's, it's really difficult for adults to eat intuitively all the time because there are aspects of our environment that we have absolutely no control over and then add in individual biochemistry and things like insulin resistance that, you know, alter our cravings and desires for certain foods. Um, it's just, it's, it's a challenge. And I think it's important to let people know that it's okay that you can't eat intuitively. And there are a lot of challenges to do that, that you're not going to be able to get over. So, you know, it's okay to have healthy boundaries around certain foods. Yeah. I want to get into like that noise aspect too, at some point, but I'm curious just from your guys' standpoint, for people listening, what can they start doing today to, let's say, add to their plate or add to their bowl or what they're adding at meal times and snack times that, you know, are going to be good for them and good for their body, but also leave them with that satisfaction and not that stress um, or guilt as well. So what do you guys teach a lot of your clients to really focus on having on their plate? I mean, I, I tell everybody have have a piece of fruit every day and pair it with a fat, right? If you want to slow down digestion, it's going to help you feel more full. Of course, like an orange is good for you and there's fiber, but there's it's just going to get digested quickly. So how can we slow that down? And everything needs to be nutrient dense or great. You like to eat a set sandwich every day for lunch. That's cool. You want, you like to have chips. Great. Keep your sandwich and your chips, but can you please add an additional side salad, a green non-starchy vegetable? Don't again, don't come in my DMS. I don't care. You need that. It's good for you. It's going to help you. And also at dinner time, have a green non-starchy vegetable or, or the other thing that I do is I get whole carrots, celery, cucumbers, bell peppers, we chop them up and we put them in the fridge. And then you, we didn't roast vegetables or we don't have a salad. Great. Just grab a bunch of fresh cut vegetables and put them on your plate. So you have that extra fiber, that crunch. It tastes clean and fresh. It's summertime. Do that. Those are good habits. That is going to help you. So I didn't take anything away from pretend client, right? <laughs> Let's like change some behaviors and get some get some different habits going because maybe you grew up and your parents didn't ask you, like, I have to tell my kids to eat the vegetables because they're kids. Their, their palate is different than ours. Things taste more bitter to them. It takes a long time for them to want to eat those kinds of things. So I have to say, please put one of, one of the vegetables that you cut up this week on Monday on your plate. And then they do it. But if nobody does that, because it's easier to just give them the pasta and the ketchup, I get it. You're tired and whatever, but if, if that's, those are the habits that you're building, it's very hard then as an adult to feel like you want to add those things on your plate. Yeah. Yeah. Produce is, I mean, produce is a non-negotiable. I tell people that all the time. If they come to me and they're like, I don't like vegetables. I'm like, okay. So then before we do anything, the goal is for you to start liking vegetables. Like we can't achieve any goal until you figure out how to diversify your palate to incorporate produce. Cause that is the foundation of all healthy diets. It doesn't mean you have to have a plant-based vegan diet in order for you to be healthy, but everyone has to eat fresh produce, no matter what protocol you're following or what health condition you're managing. It's just 
so fundamental to our nutrition and nutrition, you know, is the foundation for our health. Um, so, you know, we working on that in every capacity, whether, you know, it's tips or cooking or batch cooking or, you know, uh, trying new foods, disguising the food, whatever we have to do to get there. That's number one. Yeah. I also find for adults, and I'm curious if you guys find it too, or and Vanessa, you actually touched on it before when your person who was eating three ounces of protein, um, I find a lot of people are lacking on the protein front, which is making them hungrier. And then they're going for like the sleeve of Oreos or um, the extra chips on their plate too, right? And protein still, which (laughs) mind is a little bit blown, but it still has somewhat of a bad rap. And like people think like, especially now with the plant-based diet movement, people I feel like are really trying to like, oh, well, I tailor back my protein, especially my animal protein. And I'm like, well, I actually would like you to add more, way more. So you feel satisfied and full. So you're not going for like, you know, right after lunch, an hour later, you're like, oh, I really need like, which isn't, you know, anything bad, but like a slice of bread with some nut butter. Well, I want to keep you full till either your next meal or maybe a snack in like three hours. <laughs> so right. I'm curious if you guys see the same thing. Yeah. Cause I, first of all, I feel like everybody thinks that because they're vegan or plant-based, first of all, half of them don't know what that means. Or then if they think that they know what it means, they want to, they're like, I'm vegan, but I need to eat every meal out. I'm like, Oh, good luck. I, don't know how <laughs> I can't help you there. <laughs> you gotta, that's, <laughs> It's hard to be vegan on the fly, friends. So you got to make that. But like, you, we're we're omnivores. I have like, you know, I worked at Mount Sinai Hospital, which is like one of the top GI hospitals in the world, and work with many very fancy GI doctors that are like, no, 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 we've evolved. <laughs> like, you can eat animal meat, right? Like, it's fine. And also, if you're sourcing, you know, like, I've worked with celebrity clients who refuse to eat animal protein, but like, they have farms that were and like very fancy chefs cooking for them. And I'm like, you're afraid of a piece of chicken. I don't, I don't know why you're so afraid if you can source your food or whatever else. I I think they just think if it's plants or it's beans or it's bread, then I'm going to be healthier than you who ate a piece of chicken. And that's not necessarily true because like cashew cheese is very processed. So you're not healthier than me. (laughs) And much to your point, when you're eating you know, cheese and bread, you're going to want bread and nut butter later because you're hungry. You, it doesn't work. And so I think that the problem too, is that we're, we're going away from science. I think like a lot of these dietitians, these influencers out there, every time we talk about science, they are, they're like refuting it. They only present only one study, only the epidemiological studies. Mm-hmm. They don't do the longitudinal studies or the, the meta-analysis or the cohorts. So you get this one snippet and then everybody is on it. So like when I do a deep dive into intuitive eating, it all it says is it's great for healing people's relationships with food. However, after that, you need to have a plan and a strategy or you will never have success. I've literally gone through like 60 studies so far. (laughs) So guys, (laughs) what's up? So it's just that there's some place in the middle where everyone can live. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's individualized 
you know, medicine. I think as dietitians, as Vanessa was saying, like we are evidence-based, but at the end of the day, even within these, you know, tens of thousands of person um, studies, like we have the individual who actually doesn't fit the average, you know? And I think there are some people who do really well on plant-based proteins. I personally have IBS, I've had recurrent SIBO, and I can't eat beans. Like if I ate beans, I would explode. <laughs> and my daughter really doesn't like them right now either. Like <laughs> I can't go near them or else she's like gassy and screaming for days. So, <laughs> you know, I think if, if I were to, as a lactating mom, if I were to be plant-based right now, I would be really, you know, missing out on key nutrients for, to support breastfeeding. Um, and, it, it would be a problem, right? If, if, if I would be gassy and bloated all the time, I wouldn't have any energy, you know? So I think it really comes back to the individual. I mean, I've had clients who do do well on mostly plant-based diets, although they are the minority, but our patient population is mostly coming to us for weight loss. So, you know, we kind of have a skewed, a skewed patient population and they generally don't do that well on plant-based proteins because they're not satisfying and they're, they impact their higher in carbohydrates, which impacts our hormones. Yeah. And that's actually, I'm so glad you just said that to Mark, because I wanted to talk about, we were talking about like that noise earlier and all the noise that's going on, on social media, et cetera. And I want to dive into the noise around carbs because you guys did a great myth truth, um, post a while back but I also want to talk about a lot of that noise that's going on. So I can't tell you how many Instagram posts I've seen that say carbohydrates will not make you gain weight. I mean, that's just not true. That's just not true. And unfortunately it's coming, some of it's coming from dietitians or, you know, nutritionists who don't actually have a background in nutrition that are just jumping on this bandwagon because it is, it's kind of, it's a trend. And what I love that you guys did, which is the flip side. And I'm going to read your myth was cutting carbs is the best and fastest way to lose weight, which is also not true. But what you said, the truth was, is focusing on the portion and the timing of carb consumption is much more affecting than omitting carbs altogether. Now there is real truth. There is science evidence backed truth. And I'm just curious what you guys have seen in terms of the, all the noise around carbs and what your clients have come to you with. Um, because I, I preach the same thing to me. It's when you have your carbohydrates and how much, because again, everyone's different. If you're working out a lot, guess what? You need more and you need more post-workout and maybe even Mm pre-workout. But if you're someone who's pretty sedentary, yeah, we're going to lower your carb intake because carbs are used for energy. And if you're sitting down all day, may not need as much as the person who's exercising or on the go. So I'm curious what you guys have seen in terms of carbs. You give me so much hope because I was like, (laughs) (laughs) who are these dietitians out here? Mm -hmm. What are they telling people? I am so afraid, but then... Just gave Kate me comes hope. along. <laughs> My daughter's name is Kate too, so that is uh, this, this is it. Uh, yeah, no, I this is exactly what I say to people all the time. I'm like, no, no, 
there is a serving size. You need to adhere to it. But yes, if you work out a lot, you get more. And if you don't move your body at all, you get less. And carbs will make you gain weight, but it goes back to those studies, right? It's how they read the study and how they make the study say whatever they want, because nutrition is a new science and I can make any study say whatever it is I want. So they're going off that study that says carbohydrates help to improve glucose sensitivity. Like, have you met diabetics? Do you you meet people with diabetes? Would you tell them to eat all the carbs that they want? I actually had someone DM me to say, they heard me on a podcast and I was saying, you know, like I counsel off the diabetic exchange when somebody has diabetes, I I'm really trying to hone in on the amounts. And she was like, I think it's totally wrong and detrimental, detrimental that you're telling a diabetic how much carbs they should have. I'm like, excuse me, this person is not able <laughs> to utilize the carbs for energy efficiently. Like you're going to raise the level of glucose in their bloodstream and then they're going to have DKA. Like, do you know what can happen? I don't agree with you. This is not how I speak to my patients. Okay, great. Well, good luck. Well, and that's a good point too, Vanessa. It's not just about like, yes, we've been talking about like weight loss and weight gain when we talk about the noise, but you know, as health professionals, our job is to keep you healthy and away from disease. And that's what elevated blood sugars lead to. I mean, elevated blood sugars lead to inflammation, which inflammation is the root of every disease. And so that's where, you know, and I hope people listening, that's where, when we talk about carbohydrate control, let's put it like that, that's where it's stemming from. It's to keep you healthy. And also to everyone, you know, everyone's sensitivity to carbohydrates is very different too. So again, it's very individual. A lot of the times, you know, people who have been on a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet for a long time actually have, you know, they can take in more carbs than someone who can't because their body is used to it at that point. So again, everyone is individual, but you know, just to explain to a little bit of like when people say carb, you know, will carbs make you gain weight? And people say no. Why that's not true is, you know, when you take in carbohydrates, you know, some's going to go to your liver, then your muscles, and then the rest, if you overconsume them, they are stored as fat. Mm-hmm. That's just, right. it's just what it is. It's not anyone right. trying to demonize carbs. I mean, I love carbohydrates. They're great for you, especially like when I'm exercising, I need them. You know, when I have a tough, like a long day, I need them. We all do. It's not that we're saying carbs are bad, but it is the portion size and the timing is key for your health. Right. And carbohydrates impact, like not just, you know, weight gain and they, they impact our hormones, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's really, I think the thing that people miss so much is the impact that carbohydrates have on serotonin, melatonin, um, uh, our, our stress hormones, right. Cortisol, um, and insulin. And all of those hormones are influenced by lifestyle environment, medical condition, right. Carbohydrates have a, have a, an insulin has a big impact on our thyroid hormones. And so everything is really connected. And that's why it's so important to, again, like work with an expert to be able to understand, you know, how, 
how carbohydrate, how you metabolize carbohydrates and how that Im- impacts your hormones or how your stress levels may, um, may mean that you need to add more carbs in. Right. And, and, and having a better understanding of what, like how many carbs you actually need based on your own hunger and satiety and being able to pick up on, you know, feelings of having low blood sugar or high blood sugar and and being able to know what that feels like as an individual, I think is, is so, so important. And it's really hard to do that on your own because you don't, most people don't know much about the human body. Right. Um, but we do, and we can say, Oh, you know what, when you're lightheaded, you know, around 4 PM, like that's because your blood sugar is really low because you exercise fasted with coffee did intermittent fasting (laughs) and, you know, and, and now you can't concentrate because your blood sugar is so low. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I think you both will agree. We could go on and on (laughs) and on, Um, but I know forever. I mean, but I do, I want to wrap up just to learn a little bit more about you guys and what I'm just curious, what are both of your non-negotiables when it comes to your wellness routine. So it doesn't have to be around food, just like wellness in general. What are your daily non-negotiables? I exercise every day. I do meditation every day. Um, I watch friends every night. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Very important. You You didn't know that I watch friends every night, like every night and Michael gets my husband is Michael he gets so irritated because he's like it's just the same episode over and over I'm like just let me live just let me live <laughs> Vanessa yeah. what what do you like to do exercise wise so I used to run marathons but now I have arthritic feet um so I ride the Peloton but now we have open soul cycle and so I go to the outside soul cycle and like feel people's bodies next to me and it makes me so happy <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big yeah. soul cycle person too. Vanessa and I used to do like weekly three three times a week soul cycle. It's so indulgent. <laughs> but like but also like so tomorrow would, tomorrow would be like so pregnant and she would like put herself off the bike and people would be like, girl, you killed it. She would be like riding off. <laughs> He'd be like, do you have a heart in She's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I think the exercise is like, it's so key. It's been tough for me to integrate it. Just Yeah. Postpartum like- now too. Yeah. It's just, you know, it takes some time to fit. Do you have kids, Kate? So I am due in August with my first. So I'm Yay! in my third Whoa! trimester. When we were, it's a boy. When we were talking about the baby screams, I'm like, oh, here we go. Get ready. ready. I gotta get ready. (laughs) But that's why I'm curious too, Spar, like what you've been doing postpartum just to keep you. I mean, I really want to try, I mean, try to go into it with a plan in terms of like, how am I going to keep my mental state okay? Um, so I'm curious what your non-negotiables, especially like as you transition and having your little girl, you know. Well, first of all, any plan that you have, you could just forget about it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I figured that. Us as dietitians, we're so like type A, like you need to do X, Y, and Z. Like literally the plan is not going to happen. I mean, it's just, it's, you can't, you can't, you can't, pl- you can do stuff for yourself, but you, I think the thing that I'm learning the most in terms of self-care is flexibility. Like I used to be so regimented and like, had to be on a schedule and a routine. And that was really helpful for me to you know, be consistent, but you can't really have a schedule, 
until your kids have a schedule and your kids don't have a schedule until, until they're at least three months. And then when they do have a schedule, it changes again in another couple of months. And I'm sure Vanessa can attest to the fact that it continues to change forever. <laughs> so, um, I've been, you know, I love doing group fitness and I've really had to like be flexible about not being able to do that anymore. And, you know, do 30 minutes here or 20 minutes there walking, just giving myself the grace to just move in any capacity during the day, I think is really helpful, especially in the beginning, Kate. I mean, until you yeah. get to three months, it's just, everything is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like hoping a walk, like a short yeah. walk each day is going to happen, okay. but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's okay, you need to send me your address. I'm going to send you the books. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Wait, that's Vanessa. That's so funny. You say that because we actually just got an Amazon <laughs> delivery today and it's like all the parenting books we got. Okay. So the books that you don't read, okay, any, you of don't, don't read any of them. Just, I've read, I literally read every parenting book and every sleep, sleep book. That is not an exaggeration. I'm telling you this right now. So the only books that matter are yep. baby wise. Okay. And the baby wise. Yep. See tomorrow, tomorrow was like, this is going to be okay. I'm like, sis, I'm writing it down. The Contented Little Baby by Gina Ford. That starts at three months. But remember, you need to okay. send me an email when you start Gina Ford. Yeah. because She doesn't feed her babies too much. And we need to be flexible. <laughs> babies need to be fed. That's rule number one. Oh <laughs> number one. You feed the baby. So Gina, <laughs> Gina Ford runs a really tight ship. So you're like, no, my kid needs to eat. Like, so there was always one or two extra feedings. But still, good. And then you need super baby food by Ruth Yaron for when you start feeding your baby. Cause even though okay, you're I have heard of that one. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. But I promise you now what I'm telling you ask tomorrow. My children are very obedient. Yes. They, <laughs> my, my daughter was sleeping 10 to six at eight weeks and seven to seven at five months. My son took a little longer, but he needed ear tubes. So he was six months, seven to seven. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am Everest is ordering doing, them. Yeah. Everest is my daughter. Everest is doing, I mean, babies need to be on the schedule. And once the baby is on a schedule, then you can do your self care because it's predictable, right? It's more predictable, yeah. you know, in the beginning you, everything is a mess, <laughs> but, um, you can work on the schedule from day one, but I think like the basics of self-care postpartum when you have a newborn are, you know, walking when you can. I had a traumatic labor that was, I didn't have a C-section. I was lucky to not have to have recovery from that, but it, it did take me a while to recover from my labor and, and birth. Um, so I couldn't really even walk for at least a couple of weeks. Um, so it, it, it's, everyone is different, you know, and I think you just have to give yourself grace. And then, you know, for me, if, if I don't sleep, it's like really hard for me to do anything. Like some people can not sleep and be okay. I'm not that person. So, <laughs> so, you know, self-care for me was like taking a nap when I was tired. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> like also, okay, also when... sleeping, I'm going to sleep too. <laughs> the other thing also is like, People don't need to be in your house unless they're being helpful. Can you fold my lunch? Can you mm -hmm. bring me lunch? Like, I don't need to send you a cute baby outfit with your baby's name in it. Did I bring you lunch? Did yeah. I bring you something for your boobs when you're breastfeeding? That, <laughs> uh, that I'm a good friend. 
after the, all the other stuff, I don't, I don't care. I don't need it. And so that's that, but just totally. And that's, you know, that's so funny because I just, I, one of my clients is about to go on maternity leave. And I said, when your family and friends ask you how they can help you, you need to tell them like meals, like be specific and tell them what they can really help with. And so I need to, uh, take my own advice with that too. Well, I know we have to wrap up, but we do love to end each episode with a little rapid fire Q and a. So Vanessa, we'll have, uh, you answer first and then you tomorrow, but just first thing that comes to mind, just spit it out. So what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Friends, watching friends, <laughs> not actual friends, watching the actual show, watching the show. Do you know that it's the re- it's the reboot on Thursday? I'm like pumped. HBO Max. <laughs> oh my god! What about uh, you, Tamar? Me, hot shower, hands down. Like I right. will steam in that shower for like ever. <laughs> love Twice it, a love day, it. three times a day. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> um, all right. Next one is team coffee or team tea coffee. <sighs> you know, I just kind of quit coffee again. I'm doing matcha. So I, I Love I'm matcha, both, I, yeah. I got to put in both. Me too. That's how I am. Okay. And then this is my favorite one, uh, favorite home cooked meal. And it doesn't have to be something you make. It could be something like a family member makes or a friend. Um, my mom is from Haiti and so she makes rice and beans and I can't make it. And so it's pretty good. It's really good. It's what Yum. I want to eat all the time. <laughs> Um, my husband actually does all the cooking. I'm a dietitian, but I hate to cook. So (laughs) Uh, but he makes like this amazing whole roasted chicken every Sunday for us. And it's a special little thing. And it's like the gift that keeps giving. You have it all week, throw it on a salad, you know, whatever your heart desires. So that's a good husband tomorrow. Yeah. He's he's Um, a keeper. Oh my gosh. Well, before we go, just can you guys share with everyone like where can they find you connect with you work with you guys all the things yeah find us at kalina health um find on us instagram. on instagram on instagram yep um find us on our own instagrams um vanessa rosetto rd tamar samuels rd um www.kalinahealth.com <laughs> podcasts. I don't know. Like we're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we try, we try it. to be wherever we can. And yeah. all of our dietitians are, you know, trained in our philosophies and, um, hand selected by Vanessa out of NYU because she takes the talent, <laughs> the fresh talent. I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, if, if you can't get us, you can get someone who, um, will meet your needs and have the same philosophy and approach that we have to nutrition and healing and wellness. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. I'm so glad we could connect and thank you for all the postpartum tips. Oh my God. (laughs) God. You're going to need so many more. I know. I'm probably going to be emailing you guys and be like, what are those books again? And um, tell me everything. So Uh, thank you. You have to just be flexible. I breastfed both of my kids for one year each, schlepping breast pumps to sign Good for you, Vanessa. Pumping in the car. But like, I don't know. I think because I was flexible about it, and it it was fine. And that's gonna be so huge yeah. for you. Cause like, you know, we're type A plus plus. So yeah. 
like, like what? I already did that. I already anticipated <laughs> what you were going to say and think and do. Like I've, I've done that. Um, so the more flexible you are, but also here's the other thing. If you don't breastfeed your kid, who cares? Yeah. Yep. Oh, kid- I feel the same way. I always say, I hope to breastfeed. Yeah, right? That's right. And if it doesn't work for me and it's causing me more stress, then don't do not, it. That's not better for the baby. <laughs> so yeah. your baby, your baby needs a calm mother, not to be breastfed. Yep. Like, exactly. And also like breastfeeding, you should just expect it to be hell for at least four weeks. Like it's horrible. don't think it's going to be easy. I mean, I think it's easier for some women than others, but know that it's going to be extremely difficult and nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about how I hard did. breastfeeding I, is. I did. So I told crazy. you. No, you I did. <laughs> but I mean, like on Instagram, like nobody oh. is like, oh, they're all jackasses. You know, they're liars. Yeah. It's, it's they're really liars. hard. Well, maybe, t- maybe so tomorrow hard. it'll be an opportunity to, uh, I'll share some stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully I it's have not so too many hard for tips. me, but yeah. No, Kate, so many tips. It's, basically, it's like somebody took like little shark teeth and like, attach themselves on your nipple. So <laughs> like coconut oil and lansanone. Coconut oil. Yeah. Like when you take your bra down to nurse your baby and the wind passes your boob, you're gonna be like <laughs> I still I, yeah. I my kids are nine and seven and I'm still like Ooh. Oh, that was just got some PTSD over there. Yeah. yeah. Really but then you'll oh get gosh. to a point where you're like, oh my God, I love breastfeeding. It's amazing. So I think that like sums up new parenthood. No, that's, is... no, 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 no. That's Tamar. Tamar is, I love everyone. It's a time. Do... I'm like, no. And Tamar's like, I'll let them, whatever they want to do. I'm like, no, you're going to do what I want to do. And if you don't want to do that, then you can go to Tamar. I, I was like, you know who's good for you? Tamar, I'm not good for Vanessa you. and I literally have the opposite like counseling styles, but she says it so well. Like we both get the same results. Like people get results, you know. So you just gotta find yep. your person. You just gotta find yeah. your person. Very yeah, key. Right. Very key with any type of counseling. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys so much. I mean, obviously thank we you. have so much more to talk about. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll have to have you guys back on the show. Um yes, but we'd thanks love that. again. And um, I mean, hopefully we'll be connecting soon. Yes, yeah, Kate. So and if we don't talk to you before you pop the baby out, oh my God. Like, congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Please keep us posted on your good news. Yes. Let us know. I will. I will for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, it'll be a whirlwind, but uh, we're ready for it. We're also moving at the same time to another state, yeah. you know, like yeah. we just, we're doing all the things. So dive in, dive in. No. It's just it's yeah. chaos. Just keep it going. Who cares? Of course. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys so much. Bye. Thank you guys. Thank you. Bye. See ya. This week, I encourage you to tune out the noise from social media, friends, family, and tune into how your body feels when you eat certain foods or practice certain habits. Then write it down if you need to keep track and look back when needed. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcasts at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.